This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is brought to you by Fish Flight Entertainment. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart to the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work, capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Ronnie Firminger, and today, well today... It's episode 200. (laughs) I can't believe I've had the chance to do this 199 times already. But here we are. And this epic milestone episode deserves an epic guest. And boy, oh boy, oh boy, do I have an epic guest for you today. Chela fucking (laughs) Horstaw. As an aside, I'm not exactly sure why Chela always makes me want to swear. Maybe it's because she's so damn talented and such a fucking force on screen and off that mere non-swear words fail to convey, convey her bloody magnificence. But I digress. Chela's been busy since her first appearance on the YVR Screen Scene podcast some 193 episodes ago. That episode dropped shortly after she'd wrapped up her fan favorite and critically acclaimed role as Helen Smith on Amazon Prime's The Man in the High Castle. What a ride that was for Helen. What a train ride that was. (laughs) Am I right? And for all of us who loved her or loved to hate her. We loved Chela in the indie hit Ash, which premiered at the 2019 Vancouver International Film Festival and represents the astonishing second feature from acclaimed filmmaker Andrew Hukuliak. Chela played Gail, a woman who learns that her husband has been accused of unspeakable crimes while a massive forest fire threatens her community. It's a tough but beautiful watch, one that lingers like campfire smoke in your hair. And we love Chela in Netflix's highly dramatic friendship tearjerker Firefly Lane as Margie Malarkey, Kate's devoted mother and sometimes not quite so devoted wife to Bud, played by friend of the podcast Paul McGillian. Netflix officially confirmed that Firefly Lane will be back on the streaming service with a second season sometime in 2022. And I hope that means we are going to see more of Margie too. And this month, this month... (laughs) And I got some Star Trek puns for you, Chela. You just wait. Chela will boldly go where no Chela has gone before when she makes her Star Trek debut on Star Trek Discovery, playing the half-Cardassian, half-human president of the Federation. I can't imagine a better Federation president than a half-Cardassian, half-human Chela And luckily, we don't have that long to wait to watch her shine. So today, for our milestone 200th episode, like Eva Perone here with my hands out, (laughs) I'm talking about President Chela. Uh, We're going to celebrate the force of nature that is Chela fucking Horstall, 
who is basically the living embodiment of everything that excites me about the Vancouver screen scene. We're going to check in. We're going to catch up on where she's been since her first visit all the way back in Episode 7. And we're going to ruminate on the future. Chayla fucking Horstall. Sabrina, that is oddly, it makes me oddly emotional hearing you say all of that. Really? Yeah. But you lived all of that. Yeah, but to have that kind of macro view of things from from that perspective, it's not something that we get. We live so subjectively, right? To have mm. that, uh, yeah, outside looking in, that's really beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, we've, we, even before we started recording, we've both been kind of weirdly emotional like this feels weird yeah it does it feels powerful and meaningful and um i feel deep gratitude to oh, be i just said weird person. but yes i do feel all those other things yeah <laughs> it's no it's weird i literally as i parked i got out of the vehicle and i was walking and some guy sort of stepped and he he wasn't looking in my direction and we got really close and he went oh sorry and i started laughing and go it's weird to be close to people isn't it yeah and he was like yeah it is it's uh, yeah with a walking wounded, really, in a lot of ways. Yeah. 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 I have to correct one thing about your um, <gasps> introduction of Star Trek. No! You're going to love it. It's not a bad thing, but okay. it's an important detail. Okay. Uh, President Rillick, Lara Rillick, is um, three. She is a uh, Cardassian, human, and Bajoran. No way! Yes. I how? Why? How? <laughs> That's all okay. So I we have a name. Say. So I will say, like, I have not seen. I hadn't seen the name of the care of your character before. Mm -hmm. I had. I. I hadn't seen. Wow. I Cardassian, Bajoran, and human. And human. And I can only say her name because and and w w what species she is um, because uh, the showrunner has tweeted it. Okay. Otherwise, I wouldn't be saying anything. Wouldn't but. be saying anything. <clears throat> no, no. And in fact, I, I don't even know that I've officially been announced, but they released a trailer in which I feature heavily. So it's the only reason <laughs> I feel a little remotely comfortable talking about or confirming that I'm okay. actually in it. Okay. And uh, we will, I'm going to put a big pin yeah, yeah, in, yeah, yeah. in Star Trek Discovery um, and Star Trek. Uh, I've... I'm not going to try to squeeze you, shake you down for information, or try to catch you in uh, Star Trek trivia. Okay. I know that we're sitting here next to like all my Star Trek collectibles, including my Starfleet Academy card that somebody made for me. And it's a recent photo, so it was literally made for me recently. Honestly, anyone who's <laughs> listening right now, I wish you had the visual aid. I sat down, and there's literally uh, one, two, three, four. There's five shelves full of beautiful little figures of different things. <laughs> Prominently featured is a lot of Star Trek. A lot of Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have to come to you for um, uh, for help while I'm I'm talking about the show because you clearly are gonna know more than I do. Yeah, which is great. Brian Markinson has said similar things to me. He's like, you know, I did all those, right? I'm like all those about the Star Trek shows. <laughs> it's like <laughs> I'm sure you don't know anything about them. And he's like, you're also correct in that. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the last 193 episodes, or how you've spent your time for a lot of the 193 yeah. episodes, and specifically, I want to talk about COVID. You know, which is 
this fog, this mist. I recently watched The Mist again, you know, that great. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was like, wow, that's really like what the pandemic has been like. Not just the virus, but the fear of the virus, the fear of it hurting other people, mm -hmm. this the staying inside. You know, I, I remember there was a time where even stepping onto the sidewalk, um, just like crossing the threshold out of my, you know, out of off my patio, it was like I'm stepping into the the dirty zone. Like I, I was terrified to even do that, you know. So, but it was also a period of talking about Star Trek Discovery. It was a period of discovery as well. Yeah, you know. So, how 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 was your pandemic? How has your pandemic been, Shayla? And like, what kind of discoveries did you make during this time? God, that's a lot to unpack. Um, I like for everyone, it was complicated. Yeah. <clears throat> it was a really complicated time. Um, uh, the love of my life, my dog died right yeah. as we went into uh, shutdown, when the whole world shut down oh back God. in March of 2020. And that was um, profound for me. Uh, it was also a really wild experience to go through. I had never experienced grief not like that yeah. before and to go through it alone where I we couldn't touch each other I couldn't be with anyone um, I also didn't have anyone to reflect my experiences off of so yeah. while going trudging through this experience of grief and in, in the very non-linear fashion that it shows up of yeah. the classic stages that we're all familiar with um, I didn't know when I was depressed I didn't know when I was angry because I didn't have a sounding board for that. It was just all feeling all the time, mm. uninterrupted. <clears throat> oh, I'm sorry, we're like sadness and grief and depression, like all getting mixed up, you know, as mm -hmm. well as the the shadow that the pandemic and my God. Yeah, I mean, it, it's the, the two experiences are so braided together for me that it's really difficult for me to pull apart what was grief and what was COVID. Yeah. Um, Quite frankly, the, the whole I live a very privileged privileged life in that uh, when the world shut down, I'm child free. My stresses I I don't I've been saving my money, so I wasn't stressed. I mean, I was moderately stressed about money, but not compared to what a lot of people have experienced. Um, I was living my best life. I loved it. I loved that I didn't have any demands on me. I didn't have to go anywhere. Um, if not for grief, it would have been delightful because no one in my family was sick no one was mm. in danger necessarily um, on the front lines of anything so um, I don't want to sound heartless and saying I was living my best life but just in terms of I really appreciated the time that I had and that I didn't have to think about hustling the next gig or yeah. aging or my body or <laughs> any of those things yeah um, so it, it one of the things that it gave me was the understanding that I actually do look forward to a life after work. Hmm. My life has been so work oriented for the last 20 years since I started doing this. And in fact, last month was my 20 year anniversary of deciding to be an actor. Really? Yeah. Happy anniversary, Thanks. Sheila. Happy for all of us who've had the chance to enjoy your work. Sort of crazy that it's two decades. It feels like uh, a couple of years, but it also feels like it's the only thing I've ever done. Hmm. Um, however, because I've been on that hamster wheel of go, 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 and uh, constantly working towards something, um, I had never really experienced 
the stillness of life without it for what turned out to be about six months mm. um, at the beginning of uh, shutdown. And I really liked it. I really enjoyed just living and puttering in the garden and um, although it was from afar, being able to focus on my friends and um, that's a that's a new at 48 it's a really it's a new realization for me yeah. um, that I can I can see not doing this at a certain point and I wouldn't have been able to say that two years ago yeah it's empowering that realization I fucking love it yeah I'm so excited about the prospect of traveling and prioritizing travel over work mm. it's always been the other way around um going and exploring the world and you know it's real it's a cliche that we hear a lot in our adult lives of live to work or work to live and I have had a good life don't get me wrong I've had a lot of fun but almost I mean consistently I have said no to trips or weddings or funerals or all of those things that are the really important things in order to make room for work my whole life. And I really am enjoying the prospect of being able to try on what it feels like to to flip that around and become even more discerning than I already am about what I want to take my time to do work-wise. Is there any way that you can take this realization and channel it into good in your work or like in what ways you know like when you finally went back to a set you know after having the realizations that you have the discoveries that you had made and was it discovery or was it, or was it far fly lane um you know what what was the experience like a, a few things one <clears throat> Absolutely, I can see channeling it into work in terms of having a more joyful experience when I'm there. Because when we are fortunate enough to choose what we want to work on, obviously it's going to be a more enjoyable experience. I'm not there because just for the money or, um, you know, because I feel like I have to. Um, so, yes, quality, not quantity. Mm. Uh, it wasn't necessarily going back to work that gave me that realization. I only really had this realization about that I can see an off-ramp this summer. It mm. was after finishing or wrapping up, getting towards the end of Discovery. Um, <clears throat> now I can't stop clearing my throat. Amazing. Saying all of this stuff out loud publicly. This is the first time that I've spoken about it publicly and yeah. I can feel that um, strange constriction and vulnerability about that. Yeah, and releasing of toxins as well right? yeah you've been holding it in yeah uh, discovery was the first job that I went back to um, I was in my cabin on salt spring taping to a phone by myself pretending that I could hear <laughs> Ben Cotton as my reader when the signal had dropped and he was no longer there and oh I know it was <laughs> this will be an anecdote that goes around for a few years I'm sure um and uh, had no idea what the role was and just knew that knew what the show was and knew that I liked the people on the show. Um, however, going out and being there, uh, one would think it would be all sunshine and roses. It was really difficult going back to work during COVID. Yeah. Um, particularly joining a show in season four where everyone else knows each other 
I'm the new kid on the block and I'm not allowed to see anyone. I'm not allowed to get to know anyone. Hmm. I mean, the primary reason I do this job is the collaboration and being able to experience those, these relationships with people and build friendships and professional relationships. And it was really limited how, um, how deeply we could connect hmm. uh, figuratively and literally. Um, and you were so, in Toronto as And well, I was right? in Toronto, away from home, in a city that was completely locked down. I would come home and there are people in restaurants walking around like like life is almost normal. Yeah. And I'd go to Toronto and it was this dystopian reality of everyone was miserable. Nothing was open. It was really, really hard out there for yeah. a very different experience than BC. There was had. a time where they where the premier was like, We're going to close down the playgrounds yeah. and police can tell you to go home i think both of those ideas just lasted a weekend but yes it was very dire yeah the pushback was extraordinary it was like i mean and again this it's a bit of a buzzword still but i mean that is coming from someone who's privileged enough to have outdoor space um Mm. not taking into consideration people who are living in very small apartments with families that i'm sorry they have to go outside they have to go outside um yeah (laughs) <laughs> I don't remember what the question was. <laughs> well, we're ta- we're you know what we're ta- we're talking about about discovery and uh, COVID and how that's all mixed up. So the challenge then of being on Discovery, being in Toronto, there being a pandemic, you're coming in season four, you're you're limited in a lot of ways. How did you overcome those challenges, or was it just a question of, well, this is what it is? And I'm just going to have to go with it. Um, One, the people on that show are angels. They are beautiful, kind, welcoming, talented souls in every department. Um, Despite the fact that we were all in masks, uh, six feet apart, um, none of, I mean, Tunde was directing our producing director was directing the first episode and I mean he couldn't come in close to direct mm. like all of all of these uh, obstacles that existed um, this group of people still r- reached out and embraced me in a way that was um, just so appreciated it was uh, yeah it was really hard being away from home so to have that at work was like water in the desert um there was one experience and i'll I'll share this for a very specific reason and that i think it's it's important for all of us to be mindful of i think a lot of us have been speaking much more openly about mental health in the last few years which Mm. uh, i'm incredibly grateful for and covid one of the great gifts of covid while it has been at a huge expense of people's mental health is the permission for people to feel like they can talk about it talking about it is saving lives i Literally, fully, fully yeah. believe that. Yeah. So, um, at the risk of sounding oh woe is me, because it was <clears throat> a wonderful uh, uh, set of circumstances to have, and that I had a job and uh, was surrounded by really good people, albeit from far away. Um, we had this COVID call, which was this Zoom call with all of the actors, with our COVID compliance officer, where we could like ask questions and talk about any challenges that we were seeing and. Um, 
I hadn't spent any time with anyone outside of the show. I'd been there for six weeks at this point and was basically just, you know, walking the streets of Toronto, listening to music, wearing a mask by myself because I couldn't sit in an apartment all day. Um, uh, And I had asked a question of, so we're all in this bubble. Um, I'm just wondering, like, are, are we as the actors allowed to maybe go for a walk or see each other outside of of work um because well i mean i'm here by myself and <laughs> and and i'm a really good friend and like just like uh, filleting myself just opening myself up in the dorkiest most vulnerable fashion of oh. like hi <laughs> like the new kid on the the playground and uh and our covid compliance officer bless his heart used a lot of words to say, no, you can't see each other. Oh. Uh, because the province of, I mean, this was a, a directive from the government that you could only see people in your household, save if you were a single person, you could pick one other person who was single, <clears throat> excuse me, or one other household. I, of course, didn't really know anyone. Um, I have some friends out there, but that was complicated to try and see people who weren't being tested three times a week and blah, 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 blah. Right. Um, and so I, he goes, no. And I was like, Kate. And I muted myself again <laughs> on Zoom. And I just sat there and tried really hard not to cry because it was all of us know that that like the vulnerability hangover that happens instantly after that moment. Yeah. And about a minute goes by. And Wilson Cruz, uh, whom I had not yet met in person, we had been on a couple of uh, um, Zoom read throughs at that point. Wilson bless him I love him so much he goes as I said about a minute later he goes excuse me I'm sorry <clears throat> I just have to stop you that's fucking brutal <laughs> and, oh, and as soon as he said it I burst into cartoon tears spewing out the sides of my face and he goes on to say to to express his own challenges that he's been experiencing and he ba- basically gave voice to everything that i was feeling and meanwhile michelle michelle paradise who's our uh, our showrunner is texting me she sees me crying and she texts she's like i'm so sorry this is so like that's an example of how kind and um and generous and caring this group of people are and mm. wilson ends up reaching out to me and was like we should go for a while he found me on twitter because i also didn't have anyone's phone numbers or anything found me on twitter he was like how you doing <laughs> <laughs> and i was like ah, you know not great let's go for a walk screw this so uh, we became fast friends, and then there was a, a ripple effect of, of starting to, as time went on, get to know everyone else, and it, it made me feel much um, much more comfortable and cared for, and uh, yeah, it, it was important. It was important, A, to make myself vulnerable and to ask for what I, or s- state what I was feeling, yeah. and then for B, in, in Wilson's case, for him to recognize his position and go hang on a second no we have to protect someone who is um on their own and then he himself on his own and blah 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 blah. i'm trying to be really careful of not revealing anyone else's uh um experiences of this yeah but oh yeah and i love that that's that is an experience where you made yourself vulnerable Mm -hmm. uh as you said you 
flayed your yourself there and you affected change like you you know because also I would hope that compassion is now in the vocabulary of anybody who's involved you know with that production or uh, who's doing that COVID protocol work Mm. you know Mm -hmm. because I it sounds like not just from you but from other people that I've spoken to as well that it's you know there is such a uh, fastidiousness with the rules you know we got to follow the rules but we're human beings you know we are human or Cardassian right. we are beings <laughs> we are beings yeah you know and we require all of us requires you know love and, and care if we are going to make it through relatively unscathed that was one of the most important points for me and something that we talked about a lot is that um, primary uh, the primary focus has to be safety we all recognize that. We all recognize that us being able to work at all, we are really lucky. And there are all of these sacrifices that are going to have to be made in order for that to happen, um, which means not taking any risks, uh, living with the very real fear on a daily basis of testing positive and therefore shutting down a show mm. and the jobs of two to 500 people, depending on the size of a production. I mean, yeah. that's a level of pressure that uh, people don't talk about very much. Um, but one of the important aspects, to your point, is that we are human beings. Hmm. We are not robots. We cannot power down when we're not at work, go back into our cases and wait to be called on to set again at which point we have to behave as sentient beings relating to each other with hearts open and vulnerability. If if we can't have that experience off the clock, it's very difficult to have it on the clock. Yeah. Um, in my case, as, as the, the character that I was playing wasn't necessarily supposed to be part of the group, uh, of the crew, so to speak. I, it, it, it kind of helped the story that I was a bit of an outsider yeah. coming in. Um, although I have to say it's very important for me to say these people, this set, the way they love, the way they play, the joy that is experienced, all of it comes from the top down. Sonequa Martin-Green is hands down the best number one I have ever worked with. Wow, I love to hear it. Hands down. I got goosebumps all over me right now. She sets a tone on that show uh, that is unrivaled for commitment, hard work, joy, uh, kindness. There is fun. There are all these crazy little traditions that happen constantly throughout the day that you're like, what is even happening here? This is during COVID that you guys are having this joyful experience. What must this be like yeah. <laughs> on a normal day? Quote, unquote, normal. Right. In the before times. Yeah. Um, what you're describing, though, feels what I would expect from something in the Star Trek universe, especially yeah. somebody who has watched thousands of hours of all, and read books the Star Trek books, you know, like that was what Gene Roddenberry's vision was for, you know, his space western, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what was your history with Star Trek going into Discovery? Almost nothing. Yeah. I watched a bit of um, Next Generation uh, in, I guess it would have been the 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, it I would didn't... have been the 90s, yes. Yeah, thank you, of course. <laughs> I, as I said, I need to come to you. <laughs> yeah. Um, you do. Uh, yeah. I, uh, 
I we didn't have cable when I was a kid, so um, I didn't have like a, a childhood tradition of being into Star Trek necessarily. I, of course, was aware of it. Um, really, only started to see the movies when the J.J. Abrams versions of the films came out, and um, really enjoyed them, but had no idea about the canon, the world, the devotion, all of it. So. Upon booking this last September, it was mid-September, I, of course, watched um, all of Discovery. They gave me some uh, some links to be able to catch up before season three had premiered um, and fell in love with it, yeah. fell in love with the show and everything that it represents. They Particularly, I, I'm really impressed with Discovery. Mm -hmm. I'm really impressed with not just the representation, but the seamless way that that representation is woven in <clears throat> to the storytelling, <clears throat> excuse me, to the storytelling without it, to me, without it feeling forced. Yeah, there's no like, this is our special episode where we talk about no. this, I'm, I'm doing quotation marks, oh. our, our woke topic, you know, like it was just, it is, and that I will say is very much in line with 1960s original Gene Roddenberry Star mm -hmm. Trek, you know, where in order to show you know what the potentials of the future were and what the potential positive outcomes of the civil rights and all the different fights for different human rights of that era he showed it on screen in a future you know where we have overcome a lot of this stuff and we're mm -hmm. taking these conversations to the sky you know i'm doing hand talking a there's lot right hand now talking. there's so much hand talking yeah there's there's I, one of the things i loved and i learned uh, very early on which you would know and anyone who knows this world knows is that gender doesn't factor into the power structures. Um, race doesn't factor in as much in the way that we traditionally think about it into yeah. the power structures. Um, so stepping into that world as a female president of who's like multi-race was pretty rad. Yeah. And particularly this one where you've got Sonequa, a black woman, as the captain. Yeah. I mean... That's huge. It is very, <laughs> very huge. It's important to, you know, I don't know. I just imagine the the little little black kids who are watching, you know, and they're like, wow. Seeing her in that chair? Her, that's yeah, big. That's power. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so this is kind of like the the point where I'm like, okay, I'm going to try to get Chayla to tell, tell us stuff, but I also don't want to get you in trouble. Um, but I'm also, I'm like really excited Blink once for no. <laughs> you're playing so you're playing a Cardassian human Bajoran hybrid. Mm -hmm. um, the fact that you are playing a character that is a quilt of all of these, you know, different yeah, whose ancestors come from all of these different worlds. Ancestors don't always get along either. Mm -hmm. Famously. Cardassians or Paul's like, are you gonna make a Kardashian joke? I'm like, I'm not gonna make a Kardashian joke. If I did, this is where I would do it, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I would watch Keeping Up with the Cardassians, though. <laughs> there you go. That's my joke. Okay. But you know, t preparing for to play a character that had that kind of of backstory that comes from that kind of heritage was it different at all from in you know in how you prepared, given that her background is otherworldly. Um. I, I I did a little bit of reading about Israel and Palestine because that Dude. seemed to me to be yeah. a really relevant um, uh, story and situation. Um, 
but really, I just was a- approaching her. I had written a, my own version of of what led to this point and how it is that she is um, that her family lineage is what it is. There are a couple of things throughout the season that I talk about that gave me a little bit more insight, which was love. Those little nuggets are always delightful as things go on, especially as a supporting character where it's not necessarily your narrative. Anytime that you can glean extra little bits of information, it just feels like winning the lottery or like peeling back the layer of a pomegranate going, look at all these ones, you know. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I want pomegranates. Yeah. Um, Did you feel gene roddenberry's spirit at all like in the material or on the set you know i don't know what how much you know about i don't know enough to have felt it um perhaps that joy that i was talking about um maybe that is his legacy uh every everyone i've spoken to who is connected to this world and there are a lot of them um it's all joy I mean, even when this trailer came out recently in, in which I appear, which seemed to reveal the fact that I'm on the show, um, a lot of the people who reached out on social media all said different versions of the same thing, which is welcome to the family. Mm. And I've been hearing that repeatedly for the last year from producers, from cast, from just everyone connected to it. Welcome to the family. Because once it's like the mob. Now that you're in the family, you're not getting out of the family. And everyone has been lovely so far. There's only been one fight in, the, in my mentions between, <laughs> between two people who know way more about the world than I do. And I finally was like, hey, guys, can you stop fighting on my lawn? <laughs> Just untag me for crying out loud. Um, but, yeah, it's been overwhelmingly positive feedback. Is that in- intimidating at all, though? You know? Yeah, well, I don't want to fuck it up. I don't want to be the guy who's like, you know, swinging around a sword, not knowing what I'm talking about. So I'm trying to be really mindful of um, of being honest about what I don't know, which is yeah. the bulk of this world. And I, I have no arrogance attached to it. I'm here to learn and listen and, and um, hopefully get to meet a lot of really great people who have this deep, deep joy and uh, and attachment to this world. Yeah, I mean, one of the greatest things about this gig, and anyone who has done one will say it, um, is that it opens up this whole world of conventions moving mm-hmm. forward, which will allow me to meet people who are really enthusiastic about these stories. So, Sorry. Laughing. Laughing a little bit, because I was that, I was that gawky nerdy kid in 1992 I think was the year that I went to a Star Trek convention at an airport hotel in Mississauga Mm -hmm. and uh, to see Jonathan Frakes and Marina Sirtis because those were my two favorite characters and I got all dressed up and it was it was before um it was sexy to be a geek like it was before (laughs) we kind of went mainstream you know so but I was and it was before the internet Right. You know, so that was where I was like, I was, I stepped in there and I was like, these are my people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. To be seen. <laughs> to be in seen. That way. And, and like the comments were, hey, nice costume. And not like, oh. what? What are you wearing? You know, like it was, it, it was a, a very, to, to feel 
I don't know, that, that sense of belonging. And we all like the same thing. You know, it's, it was remarkable. And honestly, it definitely is fed into the work that I do, which is why I have all my toys yeah. <laughs> from back in the day here. Because yeah. that's when, you know, I was really leaning into the to the storytelling and the mm. art and being like, I just, I, I, I love this world. I love all these worlds. I love all the worlds they go to and I want to know how they put that together, mm-hmm. you know. So that's where I became completely obsessed with it. And um, come back again, okay, after you do some conventions. Oh, I will. Or I'll just, I'll just trail you just after come to you. A convention. I'll just come to a convention with yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it, see, I love the I passion love and the excitement that is attached to this. It's um, one of the things I'm, gonna have to get better at is um, I am highly uncomfortable with adoration from people Mm -hmm. and the othering that happens when someone is um, either in awe of a career or a show or something like that Um, I I, I don't do well with it I I try but I really don't do well with it Um, and I'm gonna have to get better at that because what I recognize is the reverence that a lot of people have for the Star Trek universe Um, and now that I am a part of that I'm not saying reverence for me but now that I'm a part of that world um, I know that it's going to impact the way that certain people interact with uh, with me at those sorts of convention type things so I'm I promise I'm going to work on it. <laughs> you should talk to Amanda because oh, I, I accompanied her to um, the Amanda Tapping Convention <laughs> in England. I love and it. I'm hoping to be uh, accompanying her again uh, this April. Um, but, you know, she what I love about Amanda is she is so I mean, there's a lot to love about her. But mm-hmm. in that in those situations, she is comes from a place of profound love and respect for the fans like she mm. she has such deep respect for the fact that these people who have come from all over the world love the work you yeah. know like she's a fan of them in as much as you know they are a fan of her as well so it's you know she's a would be a good person to I have to share with, with you my very first person the first person I called was uh, Erica Carroll who mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. as a, a, a since retired actor in Vancouver Um, who's a dear friend of mine and one of the biggest Star Trek fans I have ever known. And as soon as I booked the show, I called her and I taped it (laughs) on speakerphone of me. I told her before I told anyone. Yeah. Um, And her reaction gave me two things. So much insight into who she truly is at her core (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I need her to, on the show, apparently. Oh, <laughs> the two of you will just shoot the shit about Star Trek endlessly. Um, and it also made me see, oh, oh, people care. People care deeply about this. Um, so I was really glad to get that perspective immediately out of the gates yeah. early on. You know who is another big fan of Star Trek? Mm-mm. Paul McGillian. Well, he's kept his cool because Paul and I are working together right <laughs> That's now. That's why I brought him up. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I segue into talking about Firefly Lane. Or Good old Firefly it, Lane. Well inviting done. it in. He's been, he's kept, he's kept his cool about his fandom of Star Trek. He's more been uh, really helpful in terms of like, oh, okay. So in terms of convention stuff, because he's got this like massive science fiction resume. 
And so he's been sharing some things with me over the course of the last year. And he hasn't really said, he hasn't, he hasn't dorked out too much in the good way about Star Trek. So um, I'm going to have to get his, yeah. give him some gears about that. That's great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I remember correctly, like, you know, he, um, he has a role, he has a, he, we see him in uh, one of the Star Trek movies. Yeah. He's in one of the J.J. Um, Abrams ones. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he, he does a mean Scotty impression. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's it's there. It's there. That's what, that is one of the reasons that he is such a, he was perfect for Stargate. He's yeah. such a big fan. Oh, you know, is, I love me some Polly. Yeah. Then why did you cheat on him, I know. Jayla? I know. It's terrible. So, Margie Malarkey. She Mar- has un, unmet needs. Yeah, <laughs> clearly, clearly. I mean, that's that is often what it is when infidelity shows up. So yes, so f- you play Margie Malarkey. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you this in case you didn't know. Thank you. You play Margie Malarkey on Firefly Lane, which like lit up Netflix. People who either, both had read the book and who have not read the book, um, losing their goddamn minds over over this show. Mm-hmm. It's it's. It's a very emotional show. It's about friendship. There's a lot of crying. There's a lot of awesome time jumping. Mm. Uh, very This is a style. I know we get to see you in the, in the 70s, in the 80s, in the 90s. And do we see you in the 2000s? Yeah. We're yeah. The se- um, last season, I was 70s, 80s, and 2004. The, what do we call those? The aughts? The, uh, the early aughts. The early aughts. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. It's fun. It's fun. It's a good group of people. Yeah. On that show. It seems like. Yeah. It's a really, it's a very, um, well, the material is fun for starters. Uh, there's uh, the way that uh, Maggie Friedman, who's the showrunner, writes it. That It's just, it's, I laugh out loud reading the scripts. And that now particularly knowing the actors who are playing each of these roles and imagining them saying the words, it <laughs> makes me giggle even more. Yeah. Um, I really don't feel like there's a weak link in the show um from the top on down it's everyone is really good at what they do yeah um we have a variety of directors and wonderful writers and the cast is huge and fucking talented like to a person unbelievably talented yeah it's a real um it's neat this year too we uh when is this gonna air when does this episode air? In the next couple of weeks. So okay, then I won't say November. where we're shooting. But we have um, <laughs> we have a studio this year. We didn't have a, a full okay. studio last year, so it it feels e- even that much tighter. And because we're not off in these disparate locations constantly, uh, yeah, there's still a number of locations. But there's some gorgeous locations. Yeah, the house and the recital and all oh that. Oh my gosh, that house! Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah, that house, that house was gorgeous, you know. But what do you think it is about Firefly Lane that, I mean, it caught a lot of people's attentions. It just like went in and it just grabbed them, you know. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think it is? Like, what is the magic of the of the show? I mean, I think it's the the content on its own. It's just, it's a lovely show to watch. It's an easily bingeable show it comes in nice bite-sized pieces that you just want to keep on going through the timing of it uh february 2021 at that point we had all been in covid for about 10 months 11 months Mm -hmm. um a lot of us were just starving for something 
shiny to watch uh, that wasn't like dark and <laughs> depressing because life was dark and depressing. Yeah. Um, Netflix very strategically held it for quite some time because we finished shooting in January the year before. So it was posted and finished. They could, um, they could have done it much earlier than they did, but they very strategically waited until that that magic time after Christmas when it was still sort of chilly in a lot of places. Yeah. And again, people were starving for content. Um, and then the Netflix algorithm, man. If, if you have a show that they are stoked about and they want to get behind, it is in front of everyone's eyeballs when they open Netflix. Yeah. And then you put people like uh, Katie Heigl and Sarah Chalk, who are b both just so talented. You put their faces up there, and people are just going to click, and they're going to start watching. Um, and it, yeah, I, I think it was just the perfect the perfect storm, and led to it being the number one watched show in the world for a number of weeks, which is bananas. Yeah. I love that. So everybody saw what you did. I I think what what I <laughs> I'll get over it. Love you, big Polly McGillian fan though. No, yeah. just it's it's it was it's a joy to watch you on on the show. I I think one of my one of the things that I love about the show is that it's about it's a love story, but it, that's about friendship. Yeah, you know, friendship between women. Mm -hmm. Although we need to see some friendship shows about men too. I will we do. say, uh, we really do. We need some healthy, you know, yeah. representations, and not that the friendships are that we get to see is completely healthy in this in this show. But it's a, you know, it's the ups and downs of it's a, honest. It's an honest, authentic, yeah, friendship that yeah. requires work, you yeah. know. And that's I, it's it's wonderful that that is what was gripping a lot of people's attention in, yeah. in February and March. It's a wonderful way year. to think about it. It's it's why I wanted to do the show is because it was a portrait of friendship between two women yeah. covering thirty years. And I I just I love the story of these two women yeah. and their deep love for each other and how they can be assholes to one another sometimes. And like the real true complication of friendship. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's. I'm really grateful to be back again. I'm just grateful to come home and be able to work in Vancouver to have a job. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a yeah. It's an embarrassment of riches being away from home for that year because it ended up taking us eleven. Mm, took it was eleven months from the time that I booked Star Trek until I wrapped. Whoa. So it was a long time. We started shooting in November. We finished in August. Um, I was back and forth for the bulk of that, and that was hard, like not putting the suitcases away and sort of having to get on an airplane. I think I had 12 flights, six trips over the course of that time, Ooh. and it was stressful every time. And um, I mean, thank God my dog died, because I don't know what I would have done with him going Oof. back and forth the whole time. That yeah. was one, the one silver lining of, well, I don't have to deal with gaffer care. I can just get on a plane and go. Yeah. Um, yeah but it's made me <laughs> yeah for yeah it's made me really grateful to be home and uh yeah I I it's boys I could never leave home for well that's not true I still want to travel yeah and we can travel <laughs> but I'm happy to be home it's lovely to travel and it's lovely to come back home mm -hmm. um 
before we talk, there's some other issues that I want to talk please, about with you. Please, please. I but love before, talking to you. Yeah, I love talking to you. We could do this all day. Mm-hmm. Um, but we won't because you got other stuff to do because you're chill a fucking horse doll. Um, <laughs> but last thing about Firefly Lane, though, you know, the, the idea of friendship and particularly female friendship, I, I know that you have some very deep friendships that go back a long ways and you derive a lot of strength from from women in your in your sphere. But what role has these friendships played in your career in, and it, as you've navigated this industry? Hmm. Oh, that's such a great question. Um, I, I, I can't pull out the what these friendships have meant in terms of my career because they are, to me, they're like integral to who I am. Yeah. Um, wow. I don't know who I am without my girlfriends. Yeah. I don't. I mean, it's, um, and a few guy friends, <laughs> to be <Yeah>. clear. <laughs> but really, I have these these deep-rooted, really important relationships with a group of women, uh, many of whom I've known for over 20 years, um, uh, a number of whom have nothing to do with this industry, by the way. Yeah. Um, some who do. I, yeah, I, I, I don't know who I am without them. Yeah. Um, perhaps that's also because I'm unmarried, so I don't have like my primary relationship isn't a, a partner or a man. It is all of these friends yeah. that I have, and they are who I go to. Um, when I'm struggling with something. Right now I'm back and forth about getting another dog. And mm. ooh, I'm spending a lot of time talking to my girls. I'll yeah. tell you that much right now. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't have a really clear articulate answer to that, but to say um, that my women friends are everything to yeah. me. And in a perfect world, we would all live on the same block. Um, I'm. Yeah. I'm walking distance to a few of them, which uh, I feel very grateful for. Um, really getting sick and tired of people leaving the city and moving far away. I'm mm. pretty fucking over that. Uh, but I also understand <laughs> there are lives that need to be led. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and this can be a challenging city. I mean, you know, even outside of the industry, oh. it's fucking expensive. It is. You know, yeah. really expensive. But no, I, I feel the same way about about my women. Mm-hmm. You know who have who have gotten me through. Honestly, they, if like with regards to my family, my husband, my kid, like they're the ones who often will help, will contextualize things for me, so that mm-hmm. I can kind of take a break and a breather, and then I can go back in and deal with all the stress and the yeah. shit there. You know, I, I they are my life raft, and and also really fun to be with. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. There so, hasn't been enough yeah. fun in life. That's one of the things. Uh, that I've realized in the last year and a half um, is that the p- part of the grief of losing my dog was that the joy went out of my life mm. because so much of the joy came from experiences I had because of him going into the woods and walking every day, yeah. him just being a dork. Um, With like, his cowbell. <laughs> oh, God. His sweet little cowbell in that. I remember you recording that yeah. years ago. Um, 
and so I, I'm, I'm missing fun. I'm missing um, being able to, to, to see my girlfriends on the regular. I had a couple of, I had dinner with a couple of them on Saturday, which was really great. And started like playing cards and doing old bitty things that it's all about fun, yeah. trying to find some joy some joy again life yeah. is really fucking serious and <laughs> go get your bliss yeah go get your bliss Jayla Horstall. yeah that's that's what my daughter I will s- spare you a recitation of this poem that my daughter wrote when she was five or six but it was called I I'll go get my bliss and it was all about oh. the things that she loved and yeah it's great so I was like Good go get her. your go get your bliss I'm gonna <laughs> <laughs> um so this is not about bliss this is about safety. Mm. Um, th- there was a lot of of noise and outrage uh, on October twenty first, October twenty second, um, after the tragic incident on the set of Rust. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had one of the only tweets that I ended up retweeting. Um, Which I'm going to read now. Okay, good, because I don't remember it. Please. The heartbreak of everyone connected to this tragedy is unimaginable. I've been on more sets with guns than I can count, and safety protocols are extensive to the point of seeming absurd sometimes. That this could still happen is just fucking baffling, quite frankly. Devastating. I guess my question to you, as somebody who has been around a lot of of weapons, a lot of stunts. I mean, I recently rewatched the final episode of High Castle, mm-hmm. your train exit. Um, <laughs> so it was an incredible episode, incredible scene, by the yeah. way. Um, but how does something like this still happen? You know, are, are you, are there situations, are there still situations that we're not catching, you know, where where pe- we are not safe on set, you know? Because I thought, I mean, you mentioned in that tweet all of the safety protocols and stuff. Like, what blind spots are we not seeing, you know? I, I just, I, I, wor- I worry. Mama worries, okay? <laughs> As you should. <clears throat> I mean, these are... Um, I, I, it's unfathomable to me that this could happen yeah but I also am not surprised at the same time um something can happen on set generally uh which is people get swept up in the moment it's trying to get the shot you're trying to to nail the thing you're running out of time or sunlight and the car won't start whatever and at a certain point, people can, not always, people can lose their sense of what is real, mm. um, lose your sense of uh, what is dangerous. Uh, we are playing make-believe, but these are very fucking real circumstances that we are existing in right now. Um, I speak in terms of like as if we were in that moment. Um, adrenaline is is a huge factor in these things mm. people trying to get things right not being afraid to say they don't know something being afraid to be punished um not wanting to be the person who is the squeaky wheel who is taking up time 
Um, and these are all very real fears that come from being uh, unrightly, in a, from being punished for saying something at a time when it's inconvenient, because mm -hmm. there are consequences. There, there can be backlash. Um, as a person who is in a position of power on set, um, I don't have to experience the same level of backlash that someone who is a PA uh, might experience, um, because they are not treated and respected generally in the same way, which is bullshit. It's yeah. not the way that it should be. It is the way that it is. Um, I obviously can't speak to what happened on Rust. It uh, it breaks my heart on every level um, for everyone connected to that show, as, I, as you just read in that tweet. Uh, her family and the people in her community, um, I am close right now with someone who knew her personally, and it's just devastating to see the ripple effects of this. The thing that the, the thing that I don't know that we're really taking into account yet is the um, the unseen cost of what has happened in mm -hmm. that all of us having uh, a fear state on set, which is probably a good thing, but it's also psychologically problematic that what's going to happen the next time someone hands me a gun and I have to point it at the camera um, there are different rules in different air in different districts uh, but you know I try never to point a gun at another human being again people forget <laughs> that this can actually be dangerous yeah. and if someone is saying, okay, move it an inch to the right, an inch to the right, an inch to the right, and the next thing you know, you're pointing a gun at a person without realizing what you're doing. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, listen, if I knew the solution, uh, I'd be a lot richer than I am because I'd be running Hollywood. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, you are president in one universe. It's true. So. It's true. It's, um, I mean, I, I think it behooves all of us to, to remember to take a deep breath a lot of the time to slow down even when we're under pressure um, less accidents like this will happen if we are not pressured by the financial constraints and the time constraints of the day which are the same thing yeah um, yeah I, I at this point in my career as I have said before in regards to other issues, be it sexual harassment or whatever it is, I'm not really afraid of backlash in the same way that I would be if I were younger, maybe less experienced. Yeah. Um, but people in my position have to be the ones who speak up. We have to be the people who say out loud so everyone can hear, are we, I don't care if you're embarrassed, are we checking that barrel again? I, like anyone who's in the vicinity should be allowed to go up and look in the barrel and make, yeah. you know what I mean I, that's I'm not fixing the problems here I just the the point being that we all need to take responsibility it's not just on the new armorer it's not just on the first AD it's on all of our shoulders to ensure that we're creating a safe environment yeah. for everyone man and then you have the pandemic you know on top of everything else on set as well you know, and I mean, we were talking before I hit record about, you know, the that the impact that the pandemic has had on all sorts of different industries and all sorts of different labor movements. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, um, 
and the kind of the pall that it can cast um, and also the ways that it can lay th things bare that we might not have otherwise seen, you know. Maybe that'll be a silver lining, you know, just to come out of this moment in history. You know, one of the biggest great, uh, uh, gifts that I've had in the last year and a half, <clears throat> and again, I don't know if it's grief or the pandemic, um, I'm crystal clear on what's important to me now hmm. in a way that I wasn't before. Um, I'm crystal clear on what I am willing to tolerate, um, where I want to put my energy, my attention. Uh, that is something that I think all of us are experiencing in one way or another. You know, it's I've used this expression a couple of times. Do you remember when we were younger and you'd lose your phone book and you'd have to like go around and get everyone's phone numbers mm -hmm. again? That's a, it's a very outdated example, but... Uh, I feel like we're all sort of in that etch-a-sketch moment of we're figuring out who we want to put in our phone book again. Mm. Like what restaurants we want to be going back to, what what businesses we want to be supporting, who, who do we want to be spending our time with. Yeah. This is a real uh, reset is a very loaded term right now because I think it's been co-opted by some QAnon bullshit. but. Mm. But we are in a time of energetic reset where you can decide what's going to get your energy. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's big. It's big. <laughs> it's big. Okay. It's big. Okay. So let's make it. Let's let's end a little smaller. Okay. <laughs> or at least let's end with having some fun and some joy. Okay. Do you want to play favorite things? Yeah, I don't know what that is. I love it. Okay, okay. So <laughs> favorite things is a segment of the show that was originally developed by my then nine-year-old, now almost 11-year-old. It's birthday month for Mari. Oh, my God. Good Lord. Ah, that's very stressful all of a sudden. Anyway, fun, fun, fun. Basically, I ask you what your favorite thing is of a thing, and then you tell me. Okay. Um, it's not called words. When I had Tomo on the podcast doing it, he just was would saying the first thing that came to mind, not necessarily his favorite thing, however. Mm -hmm. And um, I had to give him some what for about that. Tomo's very competitive, so yeah. I can see that. Yeah, but I will beat him at this. <laughs> yeah, but he, yeah, he did it wrong. He did it wrong. <laughs> he was delightful. I love you, Tomo. But we yeah, do. you did it wrong. <laughs> I'm not called words. Okay, so you ready? Yeah. Favorite song lyric? Oh, this is going to be a long game. Because <laughs> um, uh, it's going to take me a while. To, I still have the rem remnants of a concussion, so I have a hard time remembering things sometimes. What? You had a concussion? Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's going back seven years. Uh, it's it's a Valdi song. Oh, obviously. that's great. Um, that's Chela's dad. That's my dad. He wrote a song called First Time Around when I was about 20 that was on his album Hard at Work. Mm. And it was all about uh, the the patterns that he had followed that his dad had set for him and how that had led to a certain amount of um, distance and alienation uh, between the two of us. And he was reaching out to bridge that. Whoa. Yeah, it was really powerful. And the lyric is... Um, and here I sit before you and I plan to stick around. Um, and it just, it, there's something about that that has always, it's just really meaningful to me. Wow. He's showing up with, and when he played it for me the first time, we were in his Ford van 
on it was on cassette and he was driving I was in the passenger seat we're coming down Alberni Street and when that lyric came and said and here I sit before you he put his arms out as if to say ta-da here I am oh, looking yeah. at me and I was just wrecked by it we had a roll of toilet paper I was snotty and <laughs> crying and we were passing it back and forth between us and yeah, it was really Wow, meaningful. you're definitely so. beating Tomo this time, not the <laughs> suck it, Pinnacle. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, first one down. Favorite Vancouver location and why? Endowment Lands, uh, Pacific Spirit Park, uh, because it's an extraordinary, beautiful walk, and it reminds me of my dog. Yeah. Yeah, you are really winning this one. Okay, I'll stop saying that <laughs> because it's true. We'll just take it as red. We'll take it as red. Okay. Favorite midnight snack? Roasted almonds. Huh. Salted. Okay, I was going to ask salted or... Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, have you ever like uh, dipped a roasted almond in like peanut butter or in a... Or eaten it like with a few chunks of... um dark chocolate or something i have yeah, yeah. um i like to have a like i because i i don't know about a, a roasted almond on its own oh i love them on their own yeah um it, but i can't eat sugar that late or i won't sleep period oh. <laughs> okay won't sleep just won't sleep <laughs> yeah okay favorite screen partner <laughs> um Oh, God. Unfair question. Oh, that's an unfair question. Unfair Um, uh, I mean, it's going to have to be Rufus Sewell. Uh, He's, he's, he's pretty rad. Yeah. And we we made some magic together, so. You fucking did make some fucking magic. Yeah. That, that last scene like the last interaction that we see you the two mm-hmm. of you have was that the last that you shot together or did you shoot um in a different order uh my rap both of our rap was uh they built a gimbal for that stage this incredible gimbal that moved uh oh, yeah all you over. posted some photos and stuff <clears throat> yeah it was wild so the train car could like tilt by huge angles and throw bodies around and we had a couple of incredible stunt people um all done by uh, um jeff and maya aro as our stunt coordinators and friends of the podcast friends of the podcast maya aro was actually the stunt coordinator for that season jeff for earlier seasons um uh and they killed it they yes. created such an incredible <laughs> safe beautiful environment uh, and the scene that we ended up shooting as our very, the very last scene of High Castle ever shot was, um, I, I don't, people haven't seen the show. Spoiler alert. Press, Spoiler alert, yeah. Fast forward. It's been two years. Get your shit together. Um, seriously. Seriously. Uh, <laughs> was um, right after the accident, inside the train car still, before he drags me out, him coming to and seeing me. And me not doing well. So that was the very last thing we shot. And then we got to to come to the end of the, the rail car and everyone showed up that day. We had probably 400 people on the stage and um, uh, 
everybody had champagne and there were a few speeches and it was one of the most meaningful beautiful celebrations and goodbyes professionally that I've ever experienced it was like the culmination of this unbelievable journey that we had gone on together and a crew many of whom I still see regularly I had dinner with our gaffer and and uh, his wife Molly uh, Todd Lapp and Molly a couple weeks ago still pals with a lot of the people on that show um and I love them I love this group of people so saying goodbye to them fuck that was hard yeah that was a hard goodbye yeah what about saying goodbye to Helen I think the last time you were here you had wrapped but you the episode hadn't aired yet so we could be finished already I guess we had. I think you had just you had just yeah. finished because it was early 2019. Yeah, we we wrapped in March of 2019. Um, yeah, and you were episode seven. I started releasing episodes at the end of March, so it was definitely in that right in that in that yeah. neighborhood. Um, like, are you like, what, what do you think of Helen now? Like, were, were you happy where where things? Yeah, I mean, ended with her. Do yeah. you like where she ended up? I think she needed to end up there. I yeah. don't think there was any way. A lot of people were like, well, she really deserved a happy ending. No, she didn't. Mm. She made some really shitty choices, and yeah. a lot of people paid the price. Um, so I think she ended where she needed to, and it was the she was in, in such deep grief. That was interesting. Because I hadn't yet experienced grief like that, it was a real... Um, bizarre experience a year later to go through grief and reflect on it and think, huh, what would I have done differently? And uh, Daniel Percival, who was our producing director on that, um, he and I are pals and we were talking at the time. I said, I'm really glad that Gaffer didn't die while we were a year earlier because we would have been in the midst of shooting. And I'm going to tell you right now, the last episode would have been a completely different episode had I been in the state <laughs> that I was in post-grief while we were shooting that. Yeah, um, yeah I don't know that it, there's incredible grace in the fact that I didn't have to work in the immediate aftermath of that loss because it, it um, yeah, I don't know that Helen would have had the strength that she did in that climactic scene. Yeah, her. I, I had a lot of respect for her strength and her control. Mm-hmm. Um, that I d- did not necessarily have for her in other episodes. So yeah, I, I quite good. enjoyed. I quite enjoyed that journey. Um, I don't miss her as much. I miss the experience. Yeah, of working with that group of people and having that material handed to me every couple of weeks <laughs> with a new script and just being able to to dig in and and to have frankly to have like a really powerful narrative where I was telling my own story my own character's story as opposed to supporting other people's characters stories which is satisfying in its own way but artistically it was in its own league yeah it was just in its own league okay okay I have a few more questions I I have a few more few more favorite things to choose from Uh, Ask, ask them all that's okay no, I, I just I well, we're, we're we're coming to the end here. I I just I love having you here. I could talk to you for hours. I know, and me too. Hours. I love it. I love that we've talked about fun and the joy, and then there's been crying. It's you know, it's mm-hmm. it's what happens when Sabrina and Sheila get together. <laughs> um, okay, well, I, I want to end on this then because it kind of ties to the pandemic, but also puts you in the seat of a fan. Mm. What was your favorite screen performance that you watched? 
during the COVID? Oh. <laughs> I love your body language. <laughs> F- fingers supporting her face and she's looking up because the answer is in the air conditioning. Duct. It is. I've watched so much in the last year and a half. Wait. You, I'm pointing at you now. You watch Yellowstone. We both watched Yellowstone. I want to be on Yellowstone. I could see you as a Dutton cousin. Yes. I want to be on Yellowstone. I um, want that. I want that. Yeah. I want that for you and me. I just, <laughs> I just want to watch you on it. <laughs> it she's so... Kelly Riley on that is like... <sighs> so dangerous and unpredictable and fantastic vulnerable and powerful and broken and just so fucked up and a woman who like is fucked up but embraces her sexuality without apology and like i want to be her when i grow up Mm. except for all the the the, the violence and the shitty stuff yeah yeah there's that line what is it um you are the trailer park i am the tornado come on I mean, come on. I mean, can you imagine the moment of reading that and on the page and being like, are you kidding me? I get to say that? Oh, yes. I love it. Um, I, I did have, think of you, though, when I was watching that. I was like, Chela oh, could totally be a Dutton cousin. I just I just want to be around the cowboys and the horses. I bought and Paul a cowboy plane. shirt. Yes, you did. <laughs> He wasn't watching it. He wasn't watching Yellowstone, but I bought him the shirt. And he's like, "This is because you're watching that cowboy show." Mm-hmm. I'm like, "Yes, yes, indeed, it is." And you're darn tootin' gonna wear it. <laughs> it's our own little cosplay. Um, I, I don't know that I can reduce it down to one. Honestly, uh, everything. First of all, everything's a blur mm-hmm. from the last year and a half. Um, I have. I will admit, I have watched the first two seasons of Succession three times in their entirety uh, because the writing is so brilliant and every performance I find just to be pitch perfect on that show. Um, They're pissing me off a little bit this year, but I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) They're supposed to. Yeah. Yeah. um, Yeah. so, So we just, we are in this everyone says it this true golden age of television there's so much incredible content yeah out there um anyone who says there's nothing to watch isn't paying attention there's so much there's There's, so much there's too much i can't watch everything i have a hard time and like sometimes like something will just binge drop or like we'll drop all in one go Mm -hmm. and then like a week goes by i'm like well have i missed the opportunity to watch it because like i haven't you know, I haven't had a chance yet. Like, is it? Is it? Because there's all this other stuff that's come in my way. Mm-hmm. But you know, that's what that's what the holidays are going to be for. So I'm going to decompress and watch. Oh my god. Oh my god. What? Michaela Cole. In um, uh, I may destroy you. I wasn't able to watch it. <sighs> I was worried about being a little triggered, a lot triggered. Um, that's fair. Her performance is so wonderful I don't recall it being a particularly there are a couple of scenes that are hard to watch for sure but there's such gravitas to it and such realism in her reactions to things not necessarily the acts themselves but the hurt the way that she behaves afterwards is like 
yeah, she's um, she's sort of a goddess. Yeah, she's incredible. Well, yeah, you're a goddess too. Stop it, goddamn president of the Federation. It's Madam President from now on. Madam fucking President, with all the respect put on the fucking Chela fucking Horstall. Thank you so much. I'd like to say for the record that when you emailed, you said. Chayla fucking Horstall and I respond asking if I would come and do this and I was like absolutely <laughs> <laughs> look words mere non-swear words they do not like I just I I'm such a fan I am just such a fan of, of yours. cursing oh of mine oh god oh of cursing I fucking I love cursing. Of cursing I fucking love cursing well I'm a fan of yours so no, I appreciate I'm just a fucking that. fan and yeah. uh it's just thank you for being here for episode 200 that's nuts it is kind of nuts. That's amazing. It's an extraordinary accomplishment. Thank it really you. is. 200 episodes. Yeah. It's a lot. A lot to catch up on if you haven't listened to very It really many. is. I haven't listened to enough of them, clearly. Um, yeah. Did you listen to John Emmett Tracy? Nope, but I'm gonna. No, that's when you should because he's okay. on Yellowstone. We, we just talk about oh, Yellowstone. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm going to get him back in here. Yeah. I don't know if he, uh, John, you're going to come back and we're going to talk about what's because a new season is dropping. Right. You know, um, in the next uh, week or so. Is it really? I kept yeah. looking for a date. November 7th, I saw. And those bastards, they do it once a week, don't they? Yeah. Rude. <laughs> <laughs> I watched 29 episodes in four days yeah, or something. Yeah, no, that's totally reasonable. Yeah. It's totally reasonable to me. Um, that's the thing with Star Trek, too. It's going to be a once-a-week thing because it's like old-fashioned television <laughs> oh, once a week. Yeah. Like in the olden days. <laughs> in the olden <laughs> days of four years ago. Yeah. 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 And, but I, I've, I got to say, I'm kind of, like, I dig the appointment. Um, I get it television as well you know and then you also know when people are going to be tweeting about specific episodes and stuff. that's true so, that's true you know. i haven't had that experience yet because most of the shows that i've worked on have been streamers that have just all episodes have dropped so you yeah. can't really um engage in the same engage in the same she way said a star trek word. i said engage. She said engage i'm so excited for you to see this season <laughs> it's really yeah there's some pretty wild stuff Okay, Some okay. Well, stuff. then, um, Chela, when people are watching Star Trek Discovery yep. and they want to tweet their reactions at you, mm-hmm. where can they find you? At Chela Horsdall. At on Chela Horsdall. Both Twitter and the Instagram. On the gram, on the IG. Are you yeah. on the TikTok? No. Yeah, I'm not allowed. Mari said I can't be on the TikTok. <laughs> I don't. Uh, yeah, it's too much. <laughs> it's, it's like this. Too much. Too much. Okay, well, thank you. Thank you very much for this. It's great to see you. Fucking love you. Okay. And to <laughs> to my listeners, I fucking love you too. Yeah. Please. I, I usually ask people to like and subscribe and leave us a review, but you know what? Please give yourself a hand because like <laughs> you're you're like the main reason beyond the people that I that I try, I celebrate on this show every week. It's it's for you and I take your enthusiasm in and I just I I try to be your avatar. Mm-hmm. I try to think of what you want to know and then I have these incredible conversations. So thank you very much and also please like subscribe leave us a review you can find us at www.yvrscreenscene.com follow us on twitter and facebook and instagram at yvr screen scene the yvr screen scene podcast is hosted and executive produced by me sabrina ronnie mira firminger 
and it's edited by Simon Firminger, Simon Peter Firminger. Special thanks to Mariana Daria Firminger for recording our Patreon ad, to Paul Jason Firminger for technical support, and to Dane, not Firminger, definitely for the original music. Sorry, Dane, I don't know what your middle name is, but I also... No, it's not furniture. Wildbear Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And cut! This ad begins with a story about an important but largely forgotten piece of Hollywood North history, the fish flight. In the 1980s, the fish flight was an early morning flight from Vancouver that delivered fresh fish to Los Angeles before the start of the business day. These were the early days of Hollywood North, before digital deliveries and fast transfer speeds, and the pioneers of the Vancouver film industry began loading up the fish flight with film reels so Hollywood execs could review the footage shot on the previous day. The fish flight was also one of the building blocks of the visual effects and animation mecca that is present-day Vancouver and Fish Flight Entertainment builds on this legacy. Fish Flight Entertainment serves the games, film, and television industries. We remember the days of the Fish Flight and attack our projects with the same passion as those pioneering days of yore. We believe in jumping off the cliff and building our wings on the way down. And who knows? That old fish with improvised wings may even fly. Learn more about Fish Flight Entertainment at fishflightentertainment.com. That's Fish Flight Entertainment dot com.